HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Dine Market is a new online marketplace and app designed to bring restaurants and their vendors together. How does it work for restaurants and vendors? Coming up on this episode of Tech Bites, here comes the pitch. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It is a sunny but cold Monday afternoon out here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's one o'clock, and that means it's time for Tech Bites, the weekly Heritage Radio Network show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host, and today I am joined in studio by a bunch of folks. We're going to go around the room and introduce everybody so we can put the names to the voices. First up, most important, mission control. TechBytes engineer, musical director, Heritage Radio Network's executive producer, superstar DJ host of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30, and Gunwash. Yep. The, the one, the only, the Jack Inslee. The Jack Inslee. I like that. <laughs> hey, Jen, how you doing? I gave you a the for 2016. Thank you. Appreciate that. Sitting across from me, we have Guy Presler. He is the CEO of Dine Market. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you for having us here. And he brought along with him John Kutznadis, who is third generation in the produce business at Valley View Produce. Yes, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming to Bushwick. No problem. Looking forward to it. And the person who I think walked the furthest, a good (laughs) maybe 100 meters from Heritage Foods USA around the corner to the Heritage Radio Network studio, is Catherine Greenlee, who is in charge of online sales at Heritage Radio at Heritage Foods USA. That's right. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. We'll take the help with sales for Heritage Radio, too, if you want (laughs) (laughs) that. We, too, are an online platform. 
So the first thing we do at the top of every show is we start a show like a good meal with an appetizer. And we all go around the room and we talk about an app that we like, an old favorite, something new that we've discovered. I will kick it off today and give everybody a little bit of a chance to think about what's on their phone that they like. My app is the MoMA app, the Museum of Modern Art. This weekend, I went to go check out the Picasso sculpture exhibit, which ends on February 7th, 2016. And I discovered that by downloading the app, you can listen to the show notes and the show audio when you walk through, which is really lovely because then you don't have to stand in line and sign up for that thing. It's also lovely because you can listen to it after the fact, before the fact, It lives on your phone, and it has everything about the current different exhibits. You can donate. You can use a calendar. It has the cinema schedule, and it's really nice. I really like the MoMA. It's one of my favorite museums in New York City, and I had never downloaded the app until this weekend, so that was a nice discovery for me. And I am a member, so I went early. You have early admission when you're a member before the museum opens, so you can get in an hour early at 9.30, which for a big exhibit like Picasso is really worthwhile because the galleries were not as crowded. So I recommend downloading the app and becoming a member. And if you have time and you like Picasso, get up before February 7th when the exhibit ends. Catherine, do you have an app that you like? Mm, I've been... uh I've been doing a lot of organizing of my, my music and podcasts lately. So I have to say... This is probably an old favorite, but I've been using Stitcher quite a bit. Uh, You know, you can also get all the Heritage Radio Network uh, shows, and it just keeps everything really nice, and uh, it's really easy for me to find everything that I want to listen to and organize it really easily. So when you say organize it, does that mean things that you've saved or just things to listen to that stay in the cloud that you can access? Um. Yeah, things that I can access. They stay in the stay in the cloud, but um, they're really easy to access. Pull up, you know, wherever I am, and I can also kind of reference them if I want to share it with a friend or something like that. It's easy to to go back and find it. Stitcher Radio is great, and for those of you who aren't familiar with it and are going to try and find it, the spelling is a little unusual. It's S T I T C H E R Radio, and. As Catherine said, all of the Heritage Radio Network podcasts are podcast and stored there. Guy, do you have an app that you like that you're using now? I assume it has to be something else beside Dine Market. Well, yes, because we're <laughs> going to spend the next 45 minutes talking about Dine Market. Yeah. So, um, I'm, well, the one I'm using most because I didn't download any new ones recently is uh, the Google Maps. Uh, since we're working out of the city, it's something that I'm using a few times during the day and just getting better. It's just uh, getting from one place to another, getting all the recommendations, um, anything from a car a, a, to subway, bicycle, anything. So it's, I don't know, it's one of my favorite. Do you find that Google Maps is better than the other map and direction programs? Uh, it, it's much more complete. So from one place you get in all of the options that, uh, that I just mentioned. And, um, and just, I like it. In New York City, you have a lot more options than probably in most places because it gives you the bus, the subway, walking, car, train, all those kinds of things. Exactly, and that's what makes it uh, very powerful, I guess, especially in this area. 
Jack, do you have something for us this week? Oh, yeah. The uh, flavor of the moment in social media apps, no pun intended, it is called Peach. I don't know if any of y'all <laughs> have heard about it. Uh, I went ahead, made an account. I'm out here testing it out. I've got like four friends. But I'm here to tell you this one looks like it might be a keeper. Um, I know like LO came around. I don't know if anybody remembers that. It was supposed to be like the, uh, the alt Facebook, you know, with like no ads or aggregating or anything. So Peach was started by the guy who started Vine. Um, so already coming with kind of like some authenticity here. And it kind of, it, it, it like turns social media, it kind of combines Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter into this platform where your friends show up almost like they do in your phone. And when they do something, it almost looks like you've got a text message from them. So if I make an update, then there's a little green dot next to my name. Uh, you'll have to try it out for yourself, but go ahead and snatch your name before somebody else does, you know? It's like when when you try to register a name on Twitter and you're like, how could they have my name? It's because you weren't quick. So <laughs> does just, somebody else have your name, Jack? No, well, I do. I mean, I went not on Twitter, no. But I mean, Heritage Radio, you know, we are Heritage underscore radio because some old defunct account had Heritage Radio. Similar with full service. I have to be like full underscore service underscore at that. So... Just here trying to snatch all the names on this new platform. Are you hoarding names back there? No. I haven't registered, like, uh, New York Knicks yet, you know, and then try to extort them later. How about, is Kim Kardashian still available? <laughs> I should check that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm we could at sell Kanye it, West. and then we'd be done for fundraising for 2016. Exactly. Hoard some names back there, Jack. I'm working on it. So, Peach, how many social media accounts do you have now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't know. A lot. More than five, right? How many do you <laughs> check over the course of the day to see if anybody's liked your post? That's a good question. And really only Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I think. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, and maybe Peach because it's a new thing now. I do. I check it every so often. I'm like, hey, look, I got five friends now instead of four. But still no Snapchat. I, I try. I do. I really do. I, 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 uh, I follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat now. That's my tip to all listeners. Follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat. It's the most mind-blowing social media content uh, that I've ever seen, maybe. Okay. Peach and, and DJ, DJ Khaled, Khaled on, on Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah, got it. You, you got heard it from Jack. There okay. we are. And John, do you have an app that you like? Uh, I'd say after Dine Market, my second most used app would probably be Shazam. I'm, I mean, being a vendor in New York City, I'm constantly driving around listening to music, so it just helps me find the names of the songs that I'm really enjoying. I've been listening to a lot of like international music i'm of greek descent so i listen to a lot of greek music but don't always understand what the name of the song was so it's pretty amazing that it helps me find even like a greek song through the app i can save it find it later when i get home and store it into my itunes how are you listening to music while you're driving around um it, do you listen on the car radio is it satellite is it mostly car radio and like pandora or like the itunes radio so when a song comes up i like just shazam and it's there for later Nice. Shazam's a popular one. You're not the first person to say Shazam in the app survey. Yeah, definitely gets the job done. Yeah, I mean, it's an oldie but a goodie. So on to the show, on to the pitch. Again, Dine Market is new. It's an online marketplace and an app, and it's a platform designed to bring restaurants together with their vendors. I would say in really simplistic terms, I would describe it as like Amazon for restaurants and vendors, where you make an account... You go in, you look for something, a bunch of options pop up, it, you make transactions, and then stuff shows up at your door. 
Is that a very simple but pretty concise? That's a good description of uh, Amazon. Um, <laughs> what we have in this industry, in this market, that uh, you don't have in Amazon is really the relationship between the, uh, the purveyors and the, and the restaurant, the chef specifically. Um, and this is what differentiates us from this type of uh, uh, marketplaces. It makes us something that today the terms more will be uh, like a market network. What we're looking to do is actually enhance this type of relationship. Um, something like more in line of creating the same experience that you have in the green market where uh, chefs will choose to go to this market because they want to see more of the products, they want to hear about it a little bit more, check the prices, and then make a, a much better, smarter decision. At the same time, it allows uh, the, 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 the vendors, the suppliers, uh, uh, to have a direct conversation with the chef and establish this type of relationship. This is what we really want to uh, uh, recreate uh, digitally on a dine market um, to allow the, the buyers to engage with the vendors. It's not uh, um, just an open marketplace that I can buy from uh, uh, thousands of uh, uh, suppliers. It, it's inefficient for the, uh, uh, for the restaurant, for the chef. Um, um, I want to be able, though, to make a, 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 uh, a very uh, educated uh, uh, decision about uh, who are the suppliers that I need to work with, who have the right uh, uh, products uh, that I will need, and, um, and again, engage in a direct conversation. So. so how do you decide who the suppliers and vendors are going to be on Dine Market? Everybody can join Dine Market, all the suppliers. Uh, the, uh, the chef is the one that make a decision who do I want to work with. So if it's a new restaurants that come onto Dine Market, they're going to bring their own suppliers. They're not going to say, okay, I'm changing and I'm working only with the suppliers on Dine Market. At the same time, it allows the suppliers to start engaging uh, better, closer. So how do you decide what vendors Dine Market works with? We have a, a, a list of uh, vendors uh, that the chefs, uh, that the buyers, uh, not necessarily the chef, the purchaser uh, can uh, uh, look at, search, whoever is working with us uh, uh, will show on so, this, in this list. But my question to you mm -hmm. is, how does Dine Market decide what vendors they're going to allow to be on the site? We don't prevent anybody from being on the site. No vendors or, or producer or, a, 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 or, or anything. It's, um, again, it's a, it's a platform that creates an opportunity for any vendor suppliers to go and present themselves and try and win a business and at the same time. So walk us through the process then. How does mm -hmm. a vendor get on Dine Market? Um, all they have to do is apply to Dine Market and we're going to uh, show them how it works, uh, what tools they get, how to operate it, and they can uh, start being active on the system very, very shortly. So what type of things do you have on the application? What type of things are you looking for from the vendor? Um, from the vendor, um, they need to, I mean, what we show them is how to uh, 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 post their products, how to price them, how to uh, uh, find their customers, the ones that they're working with. Um, and there's certain, there's different tools that allow them to continue and manage their business the way they're doing it today. Um, things like, uh, for example, we're not a buying group. Um, vendors have different relationship with different size uh, uh, companies. Um, they can uh, uh, they can custom their relationship on dine market 
to give exactly the same service to their uh, uh, to their customers. But on Dine Market, they have direct access to the customer all the time. They can always share the information, uh, um, the specialties, uh, seasons, different things that need uh, that purchaser need to take in consideration at the time of the purchase. Okay, well that sounds pretty comprehensive. This is the perfect moment for us to take a little break to find out who our amazing sponsor is. You know, Heritage Radio Network is a .org, and we subsist entirely by sponsors and members and listeners like you. So we want to give a good shout-out to who our sponsors are and listen to some new music from Jack. This is uh, brand new, exclusive, the Rectech remix of Tap Tap by Odetta Hartman from the forthcoming 222 remix project. This is Tech Bytes. to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that technology is a new online marketplace called Dine Market. It's a website and an app designed to bring restaurants and their vendors together in one platform and do all the great things that technology and efficiencies do when you know people get to meet in the cloud. Today we have Guy Preisler, who is the founder and CEO of Dine Market, and he is going to have a conversation with Catherine Greeley, who is in charge of online sales at Heritage Foods USA, which is also one of the founders of Heritage Radio, just saying. Um, and Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about Heritage Foods USA, just so the folks at home can learn a little bit about you. Sure. So Heritage Foods USA... Um, I guess in regards to this conversation uh, and our wholesale uh, distribution, we sell pork. We sell heritage breed pork um, to restaurants across the country, across the U.S. Um, and we work directly with uh, small farmers 
who are, um, you know, raising animals humanely. Um, and this genetic piece, the heritage breeds, is also very important to us. And we buy the whole animals from the farmers um, every week. And uh, we work with a processor. We have them all, um, you know, cut up so that restaurants can purchase just the ham or just the shoulder cut, um, whatever they'd like. And then we take care of the distribution and every Tuesday deliver pork to restaurants all over the country. So for people at home who don't know necessarily what a heritage breed is, explain that for us. Sure. So uh, the heritage breed uh, is really about the genetics of the animal. So there's breeds like Berkshire, Red Wattle, uh, Old Spot. These are breeds that have been around since before the um, commercialization of farming. And uh, so they're they're breeds that have really interesting characteristics. Each one is a little bit different. Some have, um, for example, more fat uh, marbling throughout the meat. Um, others might have a darker color. Um, but each one is just slightly different and really offers um, the chef the ability um, to, to start with a product that ha just um, has these great characteristics and is able to really transform um, their dishes with, well, really with whatever preparation they'd like, but it tastes good to begin with. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing to note about heritage breeds um, for pork and livestock and animals, but that also applies to vegetables and fruits and produce. I think one of the other key elements to heritage breeds is that they haven't changed over time. It's also a preservation process for whatever the type of animal or apple or, you know, carrot or potato it is that, you know, we do so much cross-pollinating and cross-breeding and for different types of things, and that has great results also. But in the instance of something that's a heritage food, um, it's an older genetic type that theoretically has not been really altered. So the Berkshire pig you know, pork chop that you would get today should be pretty close to the Berkshire pork chop that you would have had, what, like 100 years ago or something? Exactly, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a very good point. Um, it's the, it's the, the breeds that, say, your grandmother, your great-grandmother would have, would have tasted uh, before they'd been altered by cross-pollination. Great. So now we have a little bit of background on both, so I'll turn it over to Guy. Um, tell us if... Tell us what the process would be if Heritage Foods wanted to participate in Dine Market. So that's, <clears throat> sorry. So that's actually a great example because um, um, specialty food, um, and especially now the, the, the whole sustainable uh, food uh, movement is um, coming very strong, but it's, um, uh, I think it's still driven by a, a smaller uh, purveyors. And this is a great platform. Dine Market is a great platform to actually help them push that forward. So uh, we make it very simple uh, for a, a suppliers to join. All you have to do is uh, go to our website and apply for an account. Uh, one of our account manager will contact you uh, very quickly. And um, we'll start, we, we'll guide you uh, around the platform um, how to uh, uh, up. Uh, post your product and you have very specific uh, products you have your brand so we're actually going to add your uh, products to our catalog once we do that it's available to all of our uh, uh, users buyers 
um, then you have uh, also a way to price your products uh, directly. Anytime you want, you can access from the web or from the app. Um, once you finish that, you can just mark the product as uh, 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 posted, available for sale. And at that point, you as a vendor are going to show up in our vendor list, a restaurant that uh, uh, learned about you um, from the platform can uh, find you in the vendor list, apply for an account, and from that point, you can take it and work with them the same way you're working with the existing restaurants, uh, existing customers of yours. And they're going to use the platform to come in daily, learn if there's anything new uh, about uh, your products, uh, availability, and place their uh, 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 orders to you as well as to other uh, uh, suppliers on the platform. So how do you currently deal with ordering at Heritage Foods? Is it phone? Is it email? Is it online? It's, it's actually all of those things. We have two uh, reps who basically uh, every week check in with each of our chefs, uh, each of our accounts, and whether it be however the, the chef you know is best to communicate. So some of them text, some of them call. Uh, but we check in every week to either confirm their standing order that you know if they get the same order every week or um, check in and receive the order from them weekly so it sounds like this would sort of uh, be in place of that step uh, yes we have also that ability so we, the reps can use the app um, walk into an existing customer and immediately get all the information what they usually order when when was the last time they order and they can place an order for the customers like a standing order, set up a standing order, and uh, place the order for the customer uh, directly from the place. Um, at the same time, if the reps walks into a new potential customer, he can as well share with him the account, show him the advantage uh, uh, of using uh, that platform to place an order. But um, it's more than that because then your uh, the chefs that placing the order every time that they place in an order. Um, you have an opportunity to promote uh, um, specific uh, uh, products, if it's uh, seasonal, if it's some specials that you have, um, and you can do it uh, directly or uh, for a specific, let's say, type of restaurants that you know that something will interest them more than others. Uh, the advantage of a regular, because uh, almost everyone have a website of their own, the advantage is that this, uh, the chefs that uh, using our platform are using it at least once a day. They have to place an order almost every day, most of them. Um, so they are exposed to everything that uh, you want to promote on a daily basis. And that's one thing, um, as a small, a small business and also the way that our business is set up, um, we, we deliver to chefs once a week. And we also have some cuts maybe in um, limited supplies, um, how how do you sort of filter out those pieces for the... Oh, that's great because um, we have um, an ability uh, you can set up on our website um, the cutoff times when until when they can order the day and when they will be delivered. So the cutoff time can be today to be delivered in three days from now. You can set it up so you're delivering only once a week, only once every two weeks. Uh, all of this is in there. Um, you actually have control of that. Your account manager always happy to help you with that. Um, and um, it's everything that you're doing today, as far as we know from uh, feedback that we got from our suppliers, 
we implemented into this platform to allow you to continue exactly uh, uh, the same thing. And I wonder, too, um, when we take on a new account, you know, there are some, there's an application that they fill out, and there are some things that we like to confirm before sending them a product for the first time. Uh, it sounds like any restaurant or any buyer could just go on and purchase from us. Is there, um, do you allow for, you know, that filtration or that, that process? Um, so on that also we have different levels of uh, uh, suppliers and you again you choose where to be mm. um, we get the information of the, the, the credit, uh, uh, credit application information from each and one of our restaurants so when they apply it doesn't mean they can buy immediately um, the, you get the application you get the information immediately and you can make a decision we're looking for ways uh, again working with restaurants and suppliers how to uh, shorten this process you also can choose to uh, allow them to start purchasing immediately it means they can apply and place an order uh, uh, immediately. It's your choice. Um, most of the suppliers uh, today still uh, looking at the application, assessing it, and then approving the account. Once you approve the account from the app, just click on approve, immediately your products are available for ordering. That's interesting. Um, so I do think the, you know, it does seem like there would be some time saving on the the end of the rep, uh, from what we've we've talked about so far. Um, but I know there there's of course a, a percentage off the top that that you would take, and I wonder, um, are there sort of is there a, a marketing piece or, you know, how do we sort of uh, get out to those new restaurants? Great. So. We want you to actually uh, take advantage, leverage our experience of online operation. We have high, a, a lot of experience with the marketplaces, e-commerce, marketing online. And once you join Dine Market, we are working together with you to put together the right uh, online information, promote you, announce uh, to our uh, customers um, who's, uh, who's joining uh, new opportunities, um, especially when it's, uh, I think it's easier when it's a, a specialty food, uh, uh, like uh, you guys. Uh, it makes it a lot, uh, a lot interesting. So yes, I mean we have a lot that we're working on, and uh, again, um, we can put together a lot of custom uh, solutions. So I'm going to just jump in real quick and, and ask John, who is a vendor right now on Dine Market. How yes. long have you been on the platform? Uh, we've been working with the platform since 2012. So that's a while. You're one of the early ones then. Yes. You're one of the early adapters. Yep. And how have you found it? Uh, we love using the app. And actually, to answer her previous question with, um, I guess, customer applications and how they're able to become a customer of yours, for us at least, I kind of understand where you're coming from with the credit applications and all that. So when a customer submits the credit application through Dine Market, we contact them, send them our personal credit application, go through that before we approve them on Dine Market. So it's not like they're just able to send you an application and start purchasing from you right away. Like the vendor still has the opportunity to review their credit, to send it to whoever you use in-house and determine if you're accepting them as a customer before they're actually open to seeing your products and prices. So there's not really any issue with that. You're still able to kind of take your own time and decide whether you want to move forward with the customer or not. So you've been on the platform for four years? Yes. 
how many, how many, what's your sales growth been? And you don't have to talk about specific, you know, dollar amounts or customer numbers if you want to just talk generally, like 10%, 5%, 4%, 2%. Yeah, well, I'd say on a monthly basis, we probably add about three to five accounts through Dine Market that are made available to us because of the app and customers that are using their platform that without that we wouldn't have been exposed to. So out of our total client base, I'd say about 25 to 30% are using Dine Market. Um, we deal with about 200 restaurants in like the New York City, Queens area, Brooklyn too. So it's a pretty large size considering we find a lot of restaurants to be, I'd say like old school, like a lot of them like to communicate with someone on the phone. So you slowly see the transition into like the tech phase and ordering online. And a lot of the chefs like that they're able to see the pricing before they place their order. And I'm not sure how it goes with the meat. I'm sure your prices are a little more standard than ours. The produce marketplace changes almost daily. So they're able to see the live price every day as they're placing their order. So it helps them in determining their menus and especially like all the younger chefs love changing their menus using seasonal items. So it really benefits them and it makes it a lot easier for us not having to be in that constant communication with them. Like, hey, do you have this item today? What's the price on it? Like, it's all there. It's very transparent. Whatever the price is there, that's what they get billed the next day. So, Guy, one of the selling points for restaurants is they get to do price comparison shopping. And how? explain to us how that works in Dine Market. Because my, my next question is, it's great for the restaurant to take a look at romaine lettuce and see who the cheapest price is and then go and buy it there. But I'd be curious to hear from our vendors if comparison shopping is beneficial to you or not. Or maybe it depends on where your price point sits. So, yeah, I mean, we are a marketplace as well. So, um, by essence, you have the ability, the transparency, which means I can see the prices of whoever I'm buying using uh, at uh, real time. But this is the uh, this is a marketplace. Um, and this market, I, I mean, I, I was surprised that I found that there's really nothing similar to that in the biggest market in the U.S. We're talking about last year of sales of uh, more than $700 billion. And which market specifically? The, the food service market. Food service market. Right, the restaurant. So, 700 uh, billion. Billion with a B. Yes. $700 billion last year. Yes. Yeah. Restaurant service sales. Yeah, according to uh, the National Restaurant Association, there's, I think, an estimated of 1 million food service locations in the U.S. So that's a huge number. A very uh, huge number. <laughs> exactly. It is the biggest market in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so um, it's a matter of time that uh, something like a marketplace uh, will grow into this uh, into this market. And one of the features, I mean, the, the, the most important feature into this one is the transparency. Um, it is, um, let's say, it, it's known or the myth is that it's a very unstable market. A lot of restaurants are, are closing their doors in the first uh, couple of years. Um, and it has to do with, again, lack of transparency. and But it's correct on both sides, on both ends. There's also, uh, a, if a lot of restaurants closing, that means that a lot of vendors actually uh, getting uh, hurt from that. By giving them the, the, the tools, the transparency, the ability to, uh, to, to uh, efficient their business, um, we can 
uh, we're trying to create a, a much safer environment. And again, that's benefit uh, uh, both sides. Um, on the side of the, uh, uh, the price comparison, the restaurant works with specific vendors uh, because they're not geared to, uh, let's say, they can compare prices between 10 different vendors and each one going to have different prices. They're not geared to get 10 deliveries the next day. They want to work with somebody specific. They just want to make sure that the prices are fair. They're usually not going to get negotiated the small percentages just to make sure that it's fair. But more than that, this allows them to know what is the, uh, the real food cost every day. How am I doing? How is my business doing every day? What do I need to do to fix it? Maybe I should look at something more seasonal. Maybe this is expensive because it's out of season. Now I can see, now I can know that where without this tool, it's just too, sometimes it's uh, just too late when you find out that uh, you're not doing the right thing. John, do you find that people cherry pick on product for best pricing or do you pretty much have a, a loyal clientele that's really just there to order from you and is using the convenience of the platform? Uh, I'd say it goes both ways. Um, we have a lot of customers that just use it through us. There's a few that I would say no one uses more than two to three produce vendors. It just becomes too much work for the restaurants. And also on the vendor side, we have like a minimum delivery amount. So like we won't go if it's not worth it for us. So we are able to set our minimum. So we're guaranteed to get the business that we need to be able to cover our costs and expenses to ship the delivery out to them. So it works. I, I understand what you were saying in the beginning with skepticism for the vendors. Like we're ha having to bid on everything we could be losing out to other vendors. We kind of did feel like that in the beginning. But then, like you said, it's $700 billion market. Like there's enough business to go around. And it also helps us win business away from other vendors that we wouldn't have had. So it kind of evens out in the end as long as we're doing our job in servicing the customers correctly. It's not always about price. Like, we have a few vendors that I know. For instance, one item, like ripe avocados. We're really good at ripening our avocados. So we have a few restaurants that buy them from us, even though we might be slightly more expensive, but because they know they're getting the product that they need. So the restaurant still has their choice. They don't have to buy just whatever's less expensive. In terms of the demographic of your customers who are using the service, is it large-scale multi-unit restaurants who maybe have more of a tech infrastructure to work with? Is it young chefs who are used to doing things on their smartphone at work all the time? Do you see any similar patterns, or is it across the board? Or I definitely say the smaller restaurants that use it are mostly young chefs, and then like the larger restaurant groups that have like purchasing directors, like those guys. It, it works for those two. So it's either like younger chefs that like to see the items, like to be able to place it on their iPhone, just click the items that they want the next day and they know they'll get delivered. And then also like the larger companies who are really looking at costs and making sure all the numbers work for them. What would you say, Catherine, the tech level is of your customers? Because I always say, and I will continue to say it, that I think the tech level of restaurants is a pencil on a cocktail napkin. <laughs> <laughs> and even though, you know, it's... it's, it's uh, it's a really interesting place to be right now because people, chefs, purchasing agents, GMs of restaurants, they're used to using technology in their personal life all the time. But as soon as you get into a restaurant environment, the tech level just sort of goes like immediately downhill and it becomes very archaic. So I think part of the 
picking up the phone and calling in the order also has to do with the fact that they're using these archaic POS systems from the 90s, you know, sometimes. So what, yeah. what, what's the tech <laughs> level of your customer? I think I'd have to agree. I, I, you know, I think many, or many of our accounts do call in every week, or we actually call them to ensure that, you know, we get the order on time because uh, timing is very important for us because we're uh, processing the whole animals and cutting them up based on the orders that we're getting. Um, so... I, I, we, you know, we of course do have some younger chefs who um, may find the app really easy to navigate um, and easy to get used to, but uh, I would have to agree that a large, not a large percentage of the accounts, I'd say, um, you know, they prefer to just either have us reach out to them or they're just used to, you know, calling in those orders and. I, I don't know how many of them are so tech savvy. <laughs> Would you do? You, do you agree with that? Yeah, or do you have Do you have people who still call the rush? Who still call you to order their produce? Yeah, of course. We still have a lot of phone calls. We even. I mean, it's a little funny, but I have one customer that he calls and leaves it on my voicemail, and I don't think he knows that it's my voicemail. Like he actually thinks he's talking to me. So he calls and acts like it's a conversation, and then I find like a three minute voicemail for his order at the end of the day. But, yeah, definitely a lot of older chefs or older restaurant owners in the business like to still speak to somebody. What, we, I, what I found, too, is chefs that um, maybe don't have to worry about that interaction with us every week, they set up a standing order and they just stick with that. And they know that, you know, there's sort of a, that common agreement that we don't have to check in every week. But I think many of our chefs really like that, uh, you know, conversation that they have that check in also that opportunity to say hey something was uh those tender bracts were fattier last week than they are usual or i need them to be bigger and um you know they're able to sort of just that opportunity to speak to us on a weekly basis and and let us know how things are going i think that's an important piece for us so guy you're really banking on the fact that restaurant and chef restaurant owners and chefs that their behavior patterns are going to change over time more towards technology and away from the actual phone call or the the personal voice much in the same way people's behavior has changed over time in terms of you know being more and more comfortable transacting things in a digital arena and not necessarily needing a a person at the other end yeah I mean it is correct and um, I mean Every business, uh, uh, every market, actually, there are, the trend is to use more and more technology. At the end of the day, it gives you a lot of more power, making the right decision, having the information on hand. So um, is it uh, easier for them to pick up the phone right now and place a, a, an order over the phone or just go into the app and uh, press a couple of buttons and send it out? And again, at the same time, they have a lot of information that they can base their uh, future decision um, uh, in their database. Um, I think that over time, we will see more and more using the the app, more and more using the web. Um, We see it on the uh, supplier side as well, that more are using uh, more and more tools that uh, we built into the app to help uh, their reps sell better, 
have uh, a better relationship with their uh, customers, manage them better, understand better what they're doing, also on a corporate level. So it's not something that uh, stays only in the rep level. Now the corporate can have, I mean, you can have, like, for example, more information. Um, what do we need to push? In real time, you can see, okay, I, I see a trend of something, a specific product. So this is the time to push it more in this area. I see something that seasonality can change. So today the, 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 the reps own this relationship and they have to go out and start interacting one by one with all of their customers where using this type of technology, you can immediately send out the message and the next day or actually immediately start seeing uh, uh, the benefit. Well, that's really great. Um, and I really enjoy hearing this conversation. I like hearing the food and the tech people come together and you know, discuss what things they need to move forward and be successful and, and how it all works together. Because having good food is really important to the world. So, And making it easier for more people to have it is definitely something we're interested in promoting. At the end of each show, I like to ask all my guests for a little piece of advice for people listening at home. So, John, I'm going to start with you, and it's the obvious question. What's the best way to ripen an avocado? <laughs> <laughs> uh, time and warm weather. So, so time and warm weather. I think the high today in New York City is going to be like 36. Yeah, so I would definitely keep it indoors, not outside. And it always helps like put it in some type of bag or something. Avocado gives off a natural gas that helps it ripen itself. So a plastic bag, paper bag, cloth bag? Any or Any will work. On, so, like, put it into a, a bag and put it on your kitchen counter or somewhere in your home apartment yes, that's warm Yes, that's warm weather. Like, the prime ripening temperature is, like, between 55 and 65 degrees. So, anywhere that, just give it its time and it'll ripen within the next couple of days. And how do you know it's ripe? Uh, there's a little, like, give to the avocado to be a little softer. You should be able to, like, I guess, indent it a little bit. Okay. Good to know. Catherine, I'm going to ask you, since Heritage foods is all about the heritage pork what's the best way to cook a pork chop oh pork chops are my favorite uh they're great just on the stovetop uh heat up your pan to about medium even medium high um because as soon as the pork hits the pan you know it's going to cool it down a bit so uh you really just want to kind of get it nice and seared off on all sides we do like a 14 ounce um pork tenderloin or excuse me uh, like a t-bone cut a porterhouse cut um, so it has a little bone in there um, so that really you know allows the the flavors to to come through and we like to cook it so that the middle is still a bit pink um, so that you don't overcook it that's kind of the key uh, so you want to do it probably about depending on the thickness you could go five to eight minutes um, per side. And really, if you can just flip it once, that's usually great. Uh, you'll get a little bit of juice in the bottom of the pan and um, pull it off, let it sit. Once both sides are seared off, let it sit for, you know, three to five minutes. Just let those juices redistribute. And uh, you can pour the juice from the pan on top and slice into it. It's fantastic. That sounds really delicious. <laughs> and like I wish I was having that for my lunch right after the show. Guy, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that come on this show. And in the food tech space, you know, starting a business is, is almost a rite of passage. I feel like people start businesses instead of going to graduate school and law school these days. What is your advice to someone who wants to start a business? 
as an entrepreneur? What's your best piece of advice? Um, always be ready for, a, I mean, especially in this industry as an entrepreneur, uh, be ready for a highs and extreme lows. Um, it's um, we're trying to solve a problem that uh, that is there that most of the time nobody solved it until now. So it's a, a, a lot of discovery. Be very open. Uh, don't, don't be too attached to your ideas. Uh, try and get and engage as soon as possible with the market and let them tell you what they need. Um, they have so much better ideas than we do. They know exactly what they need, how to move forward. And um, and I think this is uh, going to be um, probably a better recipe for success. Very good. That's, I, uh, that's an interesting point of view that we haven't quite heard before. So I like that very much. Get ready for the highs and the lows and listen because your, your audience probably knows best. I want to thank Guy Presler, the CEO of Dine Market, for coming out and bringing with him John I'm not going to say your name correctly. <laughs> say it for me. Kutsanatis, and it's a nice Greek name, of Valley View Produce, and Catherine Greeley from Heritage Foods USA to come in to Tech Bites today and talk about online marketplaces and apps for food. I want to thank Jack for Mission Control and thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Without you, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Come back and see us next week, Mondays at 1 o'clock. This is Tech Bytes. I'm Jennifer Leutze. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.